Hi, I'm Kanika, and you're listening to That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast, where I interview public figures on their life lessons in parenting, legacy, and built-in sixth sense. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland, and you're checking out That's Total Mom Sense. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton, and my experience on That's Total Mom Sense was fantastic. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Thank you to my guests, brand partners, community, and you for making this show possible. Episodes release every Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can join my tribe by logging on to thatstotalmomsense.com and by following me on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at Kanika Chadda Gupta. Now let's dive in to today's episode. Our transition into motherhood is one that's so rewarding and gratifying, but at the same time, exhausting and challenging. And the woman I have on the show today is someone who I'm lucky to call a dear friend, fast friend, and she has galvanized an entire community where she's encouraging us that taking a pause taking that career break, taking that moment to really embrace whatever phase of life you are in for yourself and for your family is welcome. I am so excited to have her on to shed her light. Her name is Neha Ruch, and she is the founder of Mother Untitled. Neha, thanks for joining me on That Total Mom Sense. Oh, what a beautiful introduction. Thank you, Kanika. Oh, yeah, of course, it was from the heart. And I can't wait to have the audience learn more about you. You know, there's already this Venn diagram and so many members of our communities overlap. So they already know exactly who I'm talking to and love Mother Untitled and the inspirational quotes that you post on Instagram already. I look forward to them all the time. They gave me such validation and agency (laughs) to do what I'm doing. But yeah, to, to have you on is a real treat. So tell us from the beginning about, you know, who young Neha was as a child and did you always kind of tread your own path and and not follow the crowd? I'm so glad you asked that question because I do think a lot of the wisdom that I bring to building Mother Untitled and sharing the messages that I share do go back to my youth. And I think you and I share this in common, but I am a first-generation immigrant family. We were living in a small town outside of Boston. I had a really wonderful childhood. I'm not going to say that I did not. I had the privilege of two wonderful, loving, present parents. And, you know, I was definitely navigating being one of the only children of color in an all-white town. And I think that actually, quite to the contrary of your question, I spent a lot of time trying to fit. It finally backfired on me with a couple of difficult years where that caught up around my later teens. So let's call it 16 and 17, you know, the, the intersection of a young adulthood and belonging and academics and all the stressors. And I think I had a moment after a series of incidents that just weren't icky in my teens that catalyzed me to reflect on, okay, where can I go to really return to myself? Because something wasn't feeling aligned. It was the morning of my 
high school graduation and I came downstairs and I said, I need to not keep going on this path because it's not working. I said to my parents, and I don't know where this came from, but it was an inner knowing that I wanted to go back to India for a period of time. And I took a gap year well before gap years were really a thing. And I didn't really have a plan, but my parents bought into it because I think they really heard the self-awareness that came through at that moment. And they were, they issued a sense of trust that I think that self-trust has, has really served me. And I ended up taking that year and traveling and teaching abroad. And I think when I realized when I wasn't surrounded by the voices and expectations of other people, I could really come back to what was true inside. And that has ultimately become the thesis, obviously, for the work I do now in igniting confidence and clarity around career pauses, because I think that that was my first experience with parting with the path and realizing that in a way it returns you to yourself so that you can reorient and go in the right direction. And I did end up coming back to the States and building a much more confident trajectory. And that trajectory was in digital advertising and digital strategy. And that was my career. And I really enjoyed that until, you know, late in my twenties where I realized I wasn't subscribing to a lot of what was expected anymore. I didn't feel good or right to play the political games that often go with senior levels in the workplace. And that was where I took my next pause and I went to business school. I don't know if you can call that a pause, but I knew it was a deviation from the path. And I experienced that same reset, surrounding myself with smart people, coming back to what was important. And so I had sort of a series both in my early childhood and in my career of realizing that actually when you take a step away from the linear, it can actually get you back to where you need to be. That's so beautiful. I love that you embrace the pauses at every kind of juncture in your life and thought, okay, this is fine. I'll be fine. Now your motherhood journey, can you tell us a little bit about, about that? You know, especially since you were an only child and now you have two children that you and your husband are raising. Kind of going back to 2016, right when I was describing having just just graduated business school, I took a position running brand at an early stage tech startup. It was everything felt good, but I was clearly longing for something. And then I had my son. I it was quite clear what it was I was looking for because I think there was a peace and a purpose that I found in him. And I'm not going to sit there and tell you that it was like rose-colored lenses and like I was sleeping and I wasn't, I was having like a beautiful breastfeeding journey. Like those challenges existed. I was not sleeping and I was, you know, obviously certain things like nursing didn't come naturally. However, I can crystallize for you this moment where I was rocking in his rocking chair in the quiet of the night And I felt like so much of the noise that had collected, again, those sort of voices that felt anxiety inducing, or like I was trying to fit again, you know, that reminiscent of what I described in high school, all of that, that I had been sort of accumulating again in the workforce just melted away. And I, here I was sitting with this one little person who didn't want me to be anything besides what I was. And I think that piece is something that I wanted to lean into. And I ended up downshifting my career into consulting for a period of time before fully pausing. But I really enjoyed those early years of 
figuring out who I was as a parent, enjoy figuring out what I enjoyed to play, what he enjoyed to play, how we were building our social circuit together, how new relationships were forming, how new perspectives were forming. I think it was a great reset on ego. And then like you described, I had my second child. And I think that that was a really humbling experience because where I, where the first experience was very peace giving, the second really upended my sense of order. And I really found myself dissecting all the hours I was spending, making sure I was spending the equal amounts of time. And I was trying to really create a sense of control where I didn't have one. And it was a real lesson in trusting the evolution and making the best right decision for right now. And knowing that all the feelings were temporary. And I think motherhood has been in that way, just a series of lessons, a series of humbling lessons that I think are giving me a lot of perspective now as I transition back to more work again. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. And what was the dynamic like between, you know, you and your husband and your village? You know, I think marriage and co-parenting was the single biggest transition for me in the first time around. I think that, you know, while I think caring for a child came somewhat naturally, bringing other people on board and asking for help and figuring out how to let in other people in this journey that was felt very much me and my child was a lot, was another part of this. Right. And I think it took my husband and I about a year after I had Bodhi, my first son to really gain our footing. And I think the best thing I did was let him, I remember I went on a girl's trip in October of that year with my girlfriends from home. I left for two days. I fought every urge to write out the routines and label the like purees. And I just said like, God bless, enjoy. <laughs> and, um, and he, I think it really cultivated for him a sense of understanding of the scope of work that goes into the day-to-day of parenthood. It really fostered for him an appreciation for all those routines that he thought were nutty. And meanwhile, it, it cultivated for me a trust that other people can do this too. It's not just on me and actually our child is better for it. Letting my husband in more gave me permission to let in other people, realizing that our children are actually well served to have other personalities, other caretaking styles, other stimulus in their life. And as much as we want to curate this perfect little cocoon, or at least I did, where, you know, we had art in the morning and we did that eight at exactly five o'clock and actually like it breeds like a great level of flexibility and a multidimensional little human when we let in those other people. And so I actually think that that one experience was so catalytic and inviting in more of our grandparents. We're lucky to have both sets of grandparents living and well and wanting to help, which is like a rare, rare combination of things. We've had the privilege to be able to bring in babysitters for two days a week in the beginning. When I transitioned to two children, I had a mother's helper for four days a week. That was a really interesting shift to you know, figure out like, okay, let's reevaluate what we need to help serve our whole mental health. And I think now we're back to a place as both my children are school-aged to babysitter a couple afternoons a week, but it's been constant recalibrating on what keeps our whole system well, what keeps our children thriving and knowing that our children are best served when we are well and healthy 
and when they feel loved. And that love can come from a lot of different places and it's better if it does. Yes. Oh, 100%. Something that, you know, my husband, Sunil, and I talk about a lot is making sure that we're aligned and all of us in the household are a team. So it's not just my job to unload the dishwasher. It's kids can do it too. So I think that's one thing. And then the other is about being on the same page with each other. And though we have very, very different parenting styles, we're very conscious about how there should not be a good cop, bad cop, mm. because then our kids are going to know that one parent is the disciplinarian. And then you just go to the other one when you need to be placated. And it's like pitting two people against each other. And I think, you know, in generations past, like, I feel like there was really not much thought into it. It was like anything goes, but now we are more mindful about that. Is that something that you two do that it's like, we we have our different styles. Yeah. He doesn't have to follow a schedule, but the alignment is key. Yes. And I think it's always a work in progress. I wish it was this like one family meeting we had once a year and that was it. I think parenting a now seven and a half and almost five-year-old is a very different experience than two babies, right? Like I think now we are having those conversations about, and I'll give you the example of our biggest friction point is around independence. And like, how much do we do for our children versus how much do we step away and really challenge them to do it on their own. And we both want the same thing. And I think coming back to that over and over again, and also separating the conversation from the moment. One of the things that like contributed to ongoing friction points was if we were in the middle of a like crazy morning, Bodhi's getting his shoes on or needing to get his shoes on. And one of us just jumps in and the other person gets annoyed that the person jumped in. And then it becomes like a conversation in the middle yeah. of the morning oh and I think setting aside the time, just getting through that moment, knowing that it's temporary and we can come back and reevaluate as opposed to, we need to fix this right now. We need right. to come up with the system right now, knowing that like all of this is temporary, all of it passes. We make the best decision for that moment and then use it as an opportunity to have a conversation in the evening. So what we've been doing to be really mindful of is putting a pin in it for that moment, flagging it as something that we need to align on moving forward. But the reason why this is important is because it's not just one, you know, monthly check-in. This is like in five times a week conversation. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I, I think that that is really important for everyone to know is normal. It can feel like, oh my gosh, we are so far away when really we're not. It's like oftentimes a language thing. Oftentimes it's a script thing. Like we both just need the right words and the alignment of what is the goal here and what, how can we find middle ground? But there's too many things to establish that in one-off conversations and does need to be a consistent practice. Yes, I hear you and agree with you. And there were times where, you know, we fell off and didn't do it. But the first time I was even introduced to this check-in idea was um, after reading Ebrodsky's Fair Play. And I know you work closely with her as well. But I thought, wow, this is really like brilliant when you think about it, because when you don't have the check-ins, especially if 
two parties have very different schedules and very different times that they're on with the kids, you're in two different swim lanes and you're not syncing up. I think for the children's sake, for everyone's sanity, having those sessions at night when the day is done and you go through them, you can even use a timer Mm -hmm. so that it's not like one thing gets drawn out and turns into a big ass fight. It's like you're you're preventing that and keep it moving. Um, That's great. Now tell us about the aha moment of the, you know, origin of Mother Untitled. So when I chose to pause, initially, as I described, I chose to downshift. So we, you know, going back to that rocking chair, that moment of peace that I was feeling in motherhood, I realized I was craving more of that. I went back to consulting two days a week. And for the rest of the time, I was at home with my son. When I made that announcement and started to circulate the news that I was going to be downshifting, I began to hear all of the pushback and the stigma around the antiquated notion of stay-at-home motherhood, right? I heard, Mm -hmm. is this what you're doing with your business school degree? Are you going to be bored all day? Are you ever going to be able to go back? And it all felt so traditional and in contrast to the very clear sense of confidence I was feeling that this was actually going to round out my portfolio. And I really had that self-trust that I was going to grow in this stage of life, that I'm operating in a different climate where flexible work is available to me and uh, flexible learning is available to me. And I'm going to say the last part was that I lived in a neighborhood in New York, and I have now come to realize these neighborhoods exist all over the country and all over the world of incredibly creative, intelligent, ambitious women who were making similar choices. They were, you know, they were in some version of what I've now called the gray area of that vast in between of stay at home and working mother, you know, and they were taking full pauses or they were downshifting or they were starting their own ventures or they were consulting. And I was looking around at this collective of women and saying, this does not map to the old caricature of the quote unquote stay at home mother, like the lean in movement is loud. Imagine at in 2016, it was particularly loud and it, it was wonderful because it was propelling the careers of a lot of women. But what it was doing was it was creating a lot of undue shame around what it means to make a conscious choice to downshift or pause. And yet I knew that these women needed a fresh face and a fresh narrative to represent and speak to their experience so that when and if they were ready to transition back to work, it would be with less penalty on the other side. So I started to plant the seeds for this platform during my own career pause. So there's a great irony in trying to build a project while you're on pause. So at first it took shape in a blog and an Instagram account where I started to build the relationships between really interesting women that I could profile to say there is a new image that we need to perpetuate of the woman making conscious choices to pause or downshift. And if we can elevate this image as one that is modern, ambitious, and still growing and still connected, we will do women a service because there are a lot of women who don't have a choice and do have to lean into motherhood because they can't afford the cost of childcare. So if we can help elevate this new version of the American concept of stay-at-home mother, then we will empower women to make the right choice for them and their family for right now. 
Exactly. Exactly. Going back to just having that agency Mm -hmm. um, and not feeling shameful or guilty with our choices, whatever they may be. Do you feel that you have to choose? Mm -hmm. It's like either career path, full speed ahead, corporate ladder, or family life. Because in generations past, it was a very hard decision for women to make. They are kind of dealing with the um, guilt or repercussions of the choices that they made later on in life. So Mm -hmm. do you think that it's still this choice? It's either this or that. You can't have it all. I think it's not black and white anymore. And I think that is the incredible gift of the generation we live in. I think that is the nature of the work is to update the perception of work and family because we are not operating in the same ecosystem as we did in 1970, right? So the work that the feminist movement had to do in, in a lot of what we had to do to propel women into the workplace was necessary work. And unfortunately, what came of that was we, there was this power chasm where we sort of held said, okay, women who choose to be at home, quote unquote, were traditionalists and not modern and not feminist. And the reality is that we're looking at a generation now where women are having children later. And why that's relevant is because they have built more career experience than our generational counterparts that came before us, right? So they've built more career experience to draw from They have more education raised, higher educational attainment than any generation of women prior. So we have that to draw from in our portfolio of experiences. We have more equitable relationships with our partners than ever before. And if we make a choice to pause, downshift, or stay, we have more power to be able to stay connected to the workforce because of flexible work, right? And so the digital ecosystem affords us the ability to build small businesses. It it affords us ability to keep growing and keep our certifications valid if we take two years to pause. It allows us digital learning if we use the time to explore a new path. We have a huge flexible work marketplace that has boomed in recent years, which allows us to keep our hand in the game in some way so that we are able to transition back eventually. And so in terms of binary choices, we are no longer counting ourselves out if we choose to pause or downshift. We're saying it is a conscious pause or downshift, and we will transition back because we have the opportunities to keep ourselves relevant and connected. And those opportunities didn't exist for the generations that came prior, right? And because of that, it was more black and white. And we can Mm -hmm. honestly say it is a much more long game. We have portfolios of academic and career experiences that then combined with our digital learning opportunities or creation opportunities or our volunteering opportunities during time away from the traditional workforce can be combined so that we can go back. I love that you celebrate this. You have a whole segment to Mother Untitled called The Gray Area. Mm -hmm. And it's just, oh, it resonates so well because that's exactly the world that we're in. And fortunately, so... Yes. And I would say you're, you know, you live it, which is, this is where you're getting to as well. 
which is, yes, there's this one part of the narrative, which is if you choose to pause or downshift, you can stay connected and you can, you know, it's a choice for right now, but you can reevaluate and recalibrate. There's this other side where there is a vast in between and Mm -hmm. there is much more negotiating power women have to negotiate flexible work arrangements that serve them and their families within the traditional workplace, you know, for a lot of women who don't have the capacity to be able to take a full career pause, whether that's financially or because their industry doesn't allow for career breaks in the same way, there is so much more resource and support for negotiating flexible work arrangements than ever before. You know, I think that middle ground is so fertile for women or men to be able to say, I can't step away completely, but I can negotiate four days or I can negotiate a hybrid schedule or I can step away into a consulting or contract position to give me more boundaries around my work. And that that middle ground, I think, has a huge opportunity of also creating a world where because it's not black and white, women or men don't have to make one choice. They can downshift or dial up behind the scenes and make the right choice for them and their families in the moment. Exactly. Exactly. And they can choose to take risks. You know, you and I attended mom 2.0 recently and their whole MO is to get together those who are in media marketers, moms, and, you know, so many of them are influencers or it started out as bloggers. I led a whole panel on podcasts. When I said, show of hands, how many of you have a podcast? Everyone raised their hand and it was just phenomenal to see. So many of us have actually taken on brand new fields, Mm -hmm. used our skill sets, you know, whether it's in journalism or media or digital strategy or branding, whatever it may be, and start something brand new. And I think that's really liberating. You know, there's so many female founders and mom owned businesses. It just, it makes my heart sing. I love to see it. Yes. And I think that the, one of the most powerful stats about career pauses is that 65% don't return to the field that they were in. Yes. Okay. And I think that that's so interesting because it validates this idea of when you're in this stage of slowing down and tuning out the noise, you can really focus on what's true to you right now and what is meaningful work that works alongside motherhood. And I think that's one of the things that motherhood gifts you is this perspective on what is the most important thing. And if you're going to be spending your time outside of the home, what do you want to be spending that time on? And I think it really raises the bar in a significant way. So you do see a lot more female founders or females working for themselves, because I think that bar is so high. I want to go into just some of the offerings that Mother Entitled has. I love the articles and features and the fact that you have this entire collective. um, So you're getting a diverse backgrounds and perspectives um, from the writers. But just to give you some examples, there is a latest article, Breaking Up with a Friend When Your Kids Don't Get Along, or 10 Moms on What They Love Most About Stay-at-Home Motherhood, and then even articles for kind of building up yourself and, and creating that safe space for yourself. You know, if you are taking that career pause and are leaning into family life more, 
how do you come up with topics and then the writers who are most relevant to speak about them, all of it. It's, it's just really, really a robust platform that you've created. My background in consumer insight is still the thing that I draw on the most. I love listening to where women are right now. So like, you know, I'm often asked, where are you in the gray area to our community online? Because I think it's so interesting to me to understand where they are and what they're looking for. So we have about 50% that are like fully in the pause, like like preparing for or embracing the pause. And so you have, so when I think about content that serves that woman, it's often gleaned from questions I get in DMs, calls I'll take with women in our community just to better understand what's on their minds. And so oftentimes they're reconciling with identity or budgeting or creating equitable relationships with their partnerships. Data helps us tremendously in understanding what content performs. So we'll often stay consistent with the content that performs. Marriage is always like over, I mean, you know this, like whether you're working out of the home or in the home or somewhere in between, figuring out, communicating your value, asking for help, navigating equitable households are always like evergreen topics. And then the other side of the community is about 30% consulting or part-time work, 20% running their own businesses. So we try and always have the filter with our content of how can we support her in figuring out her time management figuring out prioritization, figuring out like resources for returning to work and and negotiating their flexible schedules. And so it's always through the filter of what are the moments that matter or the moments that feel hard that she either needs support or validation or inspiration around. And in terms of writers, I have an editorial director who's fantastic, who came over from the Every Mom so she has great experience and in curating best-in-class writers, and she is in the gray area herself. Everyone on my team at this point is in the gray area, so they work a range of 10 hours a week to 10 hours a month on the brand. And I think by having a team that is living it, we have an ongoing focus group of what's challenging, what's meaningful, what we want to read. And then the other side of the business is the resources, which are in the process of getting built out. But the one that is probably the most relevant to our community is the Flex Jobs Board. And that's an ongoing curation of opportunities that work alongside motherhood. And so we filter for companies that really respect parental leave, have policies that support women returning to the workforce. And so the opportunities are really curated for specifically part-time and freelance um, roles so that for women, especially in that gray area, so the 50% of our audience who are looking for part-time or flexible work to stay connected to the workforce they can. That's incredible. I love that. You're just, you know, providing support in a myriad of ways. And, you know, as a member of your community, we love you for it. Um, So tell us some of the wins, countless features and press opportunities, like where has Mother Untitled been seen? And then what are you just so proud of as far as milestones? You know, in terms of being seen, I will say it is an exciting moment this year to watch the media, mainstream media, start to respond to this content for a long time. As I was planting the seeds for it, I think it almost felt like an uphill battle till honestly, till 
2021. I think it felt like I knew I could see this moment in culture where we were going to have to re-examine work and family. I was coming off the lean-in movement out of business school where that was the rallying cry. I was looking at Pew data saying women are really starting to identify more with motherhood and something wasn't matching up. Like I knew we, we were getting to that moment and I was looking around my own ecosystem watching women flex. And yet, as I put that content out a lot, it was still considered antithetical mm-hmm. to a lot of the content that was celebrating the traditional workout of home mother. And it well, felt- COVID must have helped with that. And so then COVID <laughs> That was the reality check. Yeah, that- We all needed. (laughs) So COVID happened and it intersected with my children becoming school age so that Mm -hmm. I could die on my work. And it was like the stars aligned. And I said, I'm going to grow this and culture is ready for it. So in terms of the wins, yes, when I do an op-ed in Romper, I had a really exciting one about how stay-at-home and working mothers have a lot more in common and why we need to reach across that the like imaginary chasms that separate us and support one another. That's a really exciting moment. Having an event with Jess Gross that was sold out, you know, Jess Gross is the parent, New York Times parenting newsletter editor and author of Screaming on the Inside and being able to be alongside these women who felt opposite at one point like when we were made to sort of feel like we were representing different sides of the equation and now we I think there's this moment of recognition that we're all in this navigating a very fluid work and family equation and I think that is the win I obviously am most excited about my forthcoming book that I signed with Putnam which is an imprint of Penguin Random House and the book is due out in fall of 2024, though we are tentatively moving it to January of 2025 because of the election and not wanting to compete with that news cycle. But, you know, I think the exciting part about that is it's a reminder to me to trust the timing because I've wanted to write this book. It's called The Power Pause, and it's both a cultural call to action to re-examine career pauses and recognize them for really meaningful moments to reorient and redirect and as well as a guide for women to walk through this stage of life with more confidence and clarity and then come unlock the potential on the other side. And I wanted to write this book for years, like before, you know, when I started the platform, but if I tried to put this book out in 2017, I wasn't ready for it personally and culture wasn't ready for it. And so this book could have only sold this year and my personal life was only ready for it this year. And so I like to see that as not just a win because I signed in a book deal, but a win because it validated this journey and how everything ended up making sense. Oh my gosh. That's just phenomenal. I love it. Yes, absolutely. You have to just trust the universe and realize that there is a timing for things and a greater need. And that's what we were waiting for. Just the need needed to catch up. Need has such widespread ripple effects on men and women in being able to elevate the role of family life, right? As I'm talking about this book and I talk about it as a guide for women stepping into career breaks, there are a rising rate of men who are choosing to pause or downshift family life. Mm. I think the number has grown 8% since 2021 
which for men is a significant leap that has exceeded any year prior. And, you know, when men start to reevaluate and say out loud, we're recalibrating as sad as this is to say, everyone starts to pay attention. And so (laughs) we are at a wonderful moment where we're starting to elevate family life as part of our larger life journey and careers is just one part. Yes. Yes. Can you highlight some of the experts and public figures that you've had on one that we share is Shannon Watts. Mm. Um, So we'll start with her and Moms Demand Action in every town and the fundraiser you did behind that. Like you just, when you kind of profile someone or feature someone, you're all in whatever they're building and Mm. their community. And I love that about you. So we'll start with Shannon and, and if you can highlight others that we can get to know and follow. So that's so funny you say that because I was looking at you and thinking what a skill you have at being genuinely enthusiastic about what the person across the screen is building. And that really is a gift. Shannon Watts is an incredible example because she was a home parent. And for five years, she was in a career break from a career in communications. And then she ended up obviously hearing the news of the Sandy Hook tragedy while folding laundry. She heard that call that, wait a second, I can be doing something about this. And it lit her up and she looked for that sign and she was open to that sign that she was ready to get back involved in something that was so big. And she started a Facebook page and to rally women around this organization. And lo and behold, now Moms Demand, as you know, is the largest grassroots organization fighting gun violence. And I elevate stories like Shannon Watts because. It's a reminder to women that nonlinear paths can be powerful, that career pauses can allow you the room to wake up to the other things that are meaningful and wake you up in the middle of the night because you care so much about it. And that was obviously the experience Shannon had. And I encourage everyone on pauses to look for those signs, look for the things that keep you up at night, because that is often the thing that warrants your energy and attention on the other side of your time away. Jessica Malati Rivera, I had a conversation with just yesterday. So she's an epidemiologist who, similar to Shannon, heard the call to action during COVID. She was on Twitter and the Atlantic posted a tweet asking for volunteers. And she ended up getting involved in becoming the senior most communications lead for the COVID tracking project. That was a completely volunteer effort. She ended up building her Instagram channel around the same time to really break down complex science topics for Americans so that we can have greater education as we navigate public health and public health policy. And both Shannon and Jessica are great examples of staying open to the call of what's interesting where their old skill set can come in handy, how they can get involved, but also the power of volunteerism. And Mm -hmm. volunteering for women is an incredible opportunity. It is often belittled. I've seen tremendous examples. I use the example of Nancy Pelosi often, where her volunteering on the PTA while her children were in school was the breeding ground of her leadership training, as well as the connections that led her to that congressional seat, which obviously led her to the career in politics she had. So I love highlighting women because I think we do need a more nonlinear portrait of the success stories among women. And I think that when we hear them, we take comfort in where we are and in the pauses, the shifts and the detours. 
Absolutely. Um, and now on a personal note, what has been a mom sense moment that you look back on with a smile, a moment that you trusted your sixth sense and, you know, the outcome was favorable because of it? I think when I transitioned to two children, I was so caught up in the anxiety around spending time with both children and spending equal amounts of time with both children. And I think that understanding and giving myself permission to let go of that equation was a gift. It has been a gift that has served me over and over because I learned in that moment that you can only make the best right choice for right now. And you sort of trust the evolution that whatever you choose right now will shape the children the way they're meant to be. And it's going to shape you into who you're meant to be. And I think that 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 gift of perspective has now served us over and over again in parenting, but also will continue to in career and life. Yes. Yes, it truly will. Is there a quote that you live by? Rainbow Rowell has said, you can't solve your whole life. You can just let your pile of good things grow. And I love that because I think so often we're trying to like, we have this existential view on life where sometimes it's just about like being right in the moment and looking for the good things and noticing them and looking to add more where you can. And where can, you know, my audience follow you and support you? All the things. Well, I'd love you to follow on Mother Untitled. I think it's a powerful mission to rebrand what it means to take career pauses and downshifts. And then if you can sign up for our newsletter, we are going to be calling on everyone to help really activate the movement to reorder the book next year to tell them that this is an important conversation to pay attention to. Oh my gosh, of course. I am so, so excited for you and we'll have you on again after the book releases so we can really dig into it. It's just such a deserving milestone for this cause that you've taken up. You know, it's so much bigger than you, Neha, and I want you to know that. Thank you. Thank you. I do believe that. Thank you so much for being on. Oh, happy to. Thank you for listening to my episode with my dear friend and soul sister, Neha Rooch. Check out Mother Untitled's website, motheruntitled.com. She has content to support women in phases from preparing to pause to returning to the workforce. Follow her on Instagram where she shares daily reframes and hosts MU pep talks and subscribe to her newsletter. It's one I read through and through and has topics like real families share how they cover the gaps in childcare to what to do when you dread playtime with your child to how to focus on micro pleasures to strengthen your relationship. Neha's book releases in 2024. So keep a lookout for that. You can follow me at Kanika Chanda Gupta and my website that's totalmomsense.com and on YouTube and all the podcast players just type in that's total mom sense and definitely subscribe, rate and review. It's an honor to have you part of my community. Always trust your mom sense and dad sense. Stay strong, super parents. I'll see you next time. That's total mom sense.